We're in a new series in 1 Corinthians over the next few weeks. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? What does it mean for their day-to-day -day life? What does it mean for the future? Well, come along with us and see how Paul answers that question over the next few weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to chapter 2, verse 5. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lonely things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What does preaching look like to the world out there? How would you answer that? What does declaring Jesus look like to your friends, your neighbours, your colleagues, your family? I mean, you could ask them tomorrow, couldn't you? Uh, what do you think, this is you saying this, what do you think about the fact that I sat cumulatively for an hour yesterday listening to the gospel being preached? What would you make of that? Well, I assume that most people uh, would be quite polite about it. You know that British niceness? But perhaps, if they were feeling honest that day, they might say, well, that's dumb. There are far better ways to spend your time. If you're going to spend an hour listening to someone speak, well, you might as well listen to someone good. A, a powerful speaker. Here we go, here's a YouTube video. Why don't you watch that instead? I assume that most of our friends and neighbours, they wouldn't be shocked about the message. Uh, Jesus died on the cross. I mean, we have jewellery made at that moment, don't we? 
We have people walking around with that uh, symbol stitched onto these weird hats. And we have famous celebrities with the cross tattooed onto their arms so that when they win a game or sports, they can show it to the world. But that message is odd, isn't it, when you really think about it? You're celebrating the most gruesome death penalty offered in the world. The method of execution that our word excruciating comes from. Do you realise just how odd Christianity is? When you don't get people wearing earrings off the electric chair. Like you don't get people inking themselves with gallows. You don't see people setting up a holiday with chocolate to celebrate what happened in Salisbury with those Novichok poisonings. To the world out there, Christianity is weird. And preaching it, it's even weirder. It's weird in the day of 1 Corinthians as well. Uh, it's only a few years later that we get this piece of graffiti in the public sphere. Uh, it says, if you can't read the handwriting, fair enough, Alexamenos worships his gods. It's an obvious slur, isn't it, on the Christian belief? Look at silly Alexamenos. He claims his god died on the cross. How absurd. See, preaching the cross was weird. And when we think about it, preaching the cross is still weird today. That's what Paul wants us to see this evening. Do you remember, we're still in the section of 1 Corinthians talking about the call, about the gospel being proclaimed, how people came into faith, how the Corinthians came into the fellowship of the Son. But what have the Corinthians been doing? Well, they've been dividing over preachers. They've set themselves into these little factions, uh, looking down on each other because of their decisions. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. The Corinthians see these preachers as men to line up behind. They're being worldly in their understanding of what's going on as the gospel is being preached. And Paul wants to show them, he wants to show us, that that is totally misguided. He wants to, he wants to give us an antidote to worldliness. He wants to show us it's misguided because of what the world really thinks about the message of the cross. And that's because the preaching of the cross is a foolish message to foolish people by foolish preachers. There, I think I managed to offend every single one of us now. Yeah, everyone offended? You see, to the world, it is a foolish message to foolish people by foolish preachers. So to think what the world might think about your preacher is a stupid thing to think. Let's take each one of those one by one, shall we? Let's see how the antidote works. Firstly, it's a foolish message. Uh, the message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, it divides. Have a look down at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see there, it's the message of the cross we're talking about. And it's either foolishness or it's God's power. That's how it's received. It's a bit like Boston Sprouts. You love them or you hate them. Did you know, though, that your love of Brussels sprouts, according to the scientists at the moment, is based on your genes? If you have a certain gene, you taste the bitterness. If you don't, you just taste Christmas. When depending on your state, it changes your perception of Brussels sprouts. And that's the same thing we're preaching the cross. Did you see that? Verse 18. To those who are perishing, that is, to those on their way out, 
to those who are not on the best path of life, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Just notice those are two tracks. At the moment, at this stage, as we're talking about, it's not a foregone conclusion. We're going to see people can move from one to the other. But just like Brussels sprouts, your state affects how you see the preaching of the cross. And it might be surprising, but that's quite deliberate. God has set it up that way. Uh, Paul goes to Isaiah 29 in verse 19. And in Isaiah 29, God has said that Jerusalem is going to be besieged. But, however bad it looks, they're going to escape harm. That's where Isaiah 52 comes in that we sang earlier. So as the Assyrians, as they sweep up to the neck of Jerusalem, the terrifying army of the day, if God's people listen, they will understand what's going on. But if they don't listen to God, they're going to get the wrong end of the stick. They're going to misunderstand. They're going to be foolish. And the point of that, verse 19, is... For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. You can see uh, there what wisdom is, what we're talking about. Wisdom is the understanding of how things work, having a good handle on them. And wisdom, in its ultimate sense, is understanding how the world works. The first wise man in the Bible is Joseph, uh, particularly he gets called the wise man as he stores away food for the famine in Egypt. And then the next big character in the Bible we meet who is wise, well, it's Israel. They're meant to be wise. As God tells them how to live with the grain of the world, to live in the best way possible because God, the creator, knows it. Following the maker's instruction is how you're wise. Wisdom is knowing how things work. And Paul is saying here that just like in Isaiah's day, Listening to how God has set things up is actually true wisdom because it is how things work. And here, what does that look like? Well, it looks like the message of the cross. If you want to be on the best path of life, if you want to know how God operates, how God brings people from this old age, the old creation, to the new creation, we better know it's through the cross. And that's why in verse 20, the wise, the teachers of the law, the philosophers cannot compete. Because those things don't bring life. They cannot solve our biggest problem. Just look at the centre of verse 20 for a moment. The philosophers of this age. That is the old creation. And God has shown those to be foolish. He's shown them to be perishing. They talked about both Jew and Greek. That is a way of talking about everybody. Uh, the entire world thinks that wisdom is elsewhere. But God has overturned that idea and said, the cross is how this works. So the cross is wisdom. And that is what Paul preaches, isn't it? He says it's a stumbling block to Jews and it's foolishness to Gentiles. But big point, have a look at verse 24. To those God has called from all people, it is the power and wisdom of God. Because despite appearances, verse 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That is why Paul is all about preaching the gospel, all about preaching the cross, all about preaching Christ crucified. 
It might look like a foolish message to those out there, but it is in fact true wisdom. It is in fact how the world works. It is how God has set everything up and how it does work. Those who believe the message or believe that the message is foolish ironically show that they are foolish themselves. They show they're foolish themselves because they are perishing. Why is Paul telling, them, telling us that? Why is he telling them that? Well, just think what that does to the Corinthians. They've been going around, haven't they, taking sides based on who is the better preacher. Who preaches the message of the cross the best? Well, it would be like going into a group of people genetically disposed to hating Brussels sprouts and trying to persuade them that Waitrose sprouts are better than M&S sprouts. See, the, the genes against Brussels group would think it's a completely foolish errand. So why would you do it? But Paul continues. Not only is it a foolish message, but it's for foolish people. Have a look at verse 26. My brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You want to sum that up? Paul is basically saying, if God cared about looking impressive, well, he wouldn't have chosen you. That's not saying that there are no wise people, no influential people, no noble people in the church. I mean, I'll be going too far. But in comparison to the world out there, the people who actually understand God's wisdom are not the high flyers. They are, as Paul says in verse 26, the foolish things. But crucially, verse 26, they were called. God had chosen them. And that changes everything. You see, it means that it's purely of God that the Corinthians have believed the gospel. It is purely of God that they've heard the message that sounds so foolish. And it's purely of God that they've understood it as the power of God. And why has God done that? Well, verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. God is pleased to defy what the world thinks is wise. And in doing so, he shows it's not really wise. It leads to perishing. So that means that boasting in human accomplishments is completely the wrong idea because, verse 31, therefore it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Again, Paul goes back to the prophets. He's going back to Jeremiah 9 there. And in that passage, there were three groups. Uh, there were the wise, the influential, and the upper class. And it's their status that makes those people believe that they've done everything themselves. But God announces, just like Isaiah, that exile is coming, death is coming, and their wisdom, influence, and social status does nothing to help them. It's made null and void. That's the same today, isn't it? It's not someone's social status. It's not someone's ability to understand. It's not whether they have a GCSE, an A-level, a BSc, an MA, a PhD that makes any difference. It's not even their opinion on Brussels that makes a difference. But God says, and God shows... Those things don't matter. In fact, it's whom he chooses. That means that everyone has to say it is God's wisdom and God's wisdom alone. So why is he telling them that? Well, in the Corinthian church, what is going on? Once I say great at understanding Paul, I mean, some people find him complicated. You know, Stephen does. Uh, but I get it. Don't you? Oh, poor you. I mean, that doesn't matter, does it? 
It's whether God has called you. That's what matters. And it is that alone that brings you into the fellowship of the Son. To say otherwise is to be worldly. It's to belong to the old creation, to be unwise in reality. It is the Corinthians boasting in themselves. And it's boasting in their wisdom in picking their leaders. So why would you do it? And finally, it's by a foolish preacher. Paul turns in chapter 2 to say, look at me. Chapter 2 verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. You see, Paul didn't turn up to Corinth with a polished TED talk. He simply says, I proclaim to you the testimony of God. He simply proclaimed, preached the message of the cross. That's not saying that Paul spoke sloppily. It's just whatever came to his mind when he was speaking. It is saying, though, that Paul was not relying on his skill in speaking. Instead, verse 2, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified to the best of his ability. That was the primary driver. That was what he was winning the Corinthians to. If he did otherwise, he'd be appealing to earthly wisdom. He'd be winning people with his style or winning them with his persuasive rhetoric. I mean, there's a proverb today that says, what you win people with is what you win people to. What you win people with is what you win people to. For example, someone who is one to coming to church because of the great music is quite likely to leave the church when the music goes off key. Or someone who is one to church by a celebrity speaker is likely to leave that church when the speaker leaves. And that's not authentic gospel ministry. And I'm not saying that people who do music or who preach are bad. I'm hoping you, you see that. But I am saying, Paul is saying, that the message of the cross should be the primary appeal. Because the message of the cross is God's wisdom. And so Paul came across as weak. Look at verse 3. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. He embodied the message of his preaching, the message of a crucified, weak-seeming saviour. He would choose to appear weak and foolish because he knows that God's powers and work. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Do you see there? It is not about a powerful preacher. In fact, you can find those a dime a dozen. But it is about a powerful God. And that is what Paul wants the Corinthians to get. He wants to win them with the gospel to the gospel. And so he relies on God's power, the Spirit, to empower him. Because, chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross he knows, he believes, is in fact the power of God. And by doing that, it means the Corinthians would be resting on God's power, not on the earthly things, not on human wisdom. So it would be very unwise, wouldn't it, to divide over preachers. To say something like, now I belong to Apollos because he's oh so eloquent. Why? 
people because it's not the point, is it? That is the earthly, the worldly, the this agey way of thinking. That is not the way that those called by God should think. In fact, that's foolishness. And just to point it out, the world out there doesn't care. So why would you do it? See, to the world out there, the preaching of the cross is a foolish message for foolish people by a foolish preacher. Unless, unless God calls them to see it as the power of God. And you see, we can do nothing about that ourselves. It is all of God, so we boast in him and him alone. Brothers and sisters, it would be foolish of us to think that preaching is impressive. Uh, to see the proclamation of Jesus as something to divide over, to form teams over. Because to do that is worldly. And it shows ourselves as foolish in God's eyes. The world sees preaching the cross as foolish. But God does overthrow that verdict by showing it as wise. And that means the primary thing we should be all about is the gospel going out. Not winning the arguments. Not looking impressive. No matter what the world around thinks, we know that the gospel is wisdom because it is how God saves the world. We know it is wisdom because it's how things actually work. We know it is wisdom because that's how God has set this world up. Dividing over preachers is human wisdom. It is an old age thing. It is a thing that perishing people do. It is not God's power at work. If you think that preaching is wise in the world's eyes, you've missed it. Instead, the message of the cross is the power of God. Nothing else. So we need to declare that front and centre. Because that is how we were called into the fellowship of the Son. And that is how others will get called into. That's going to have an impact on all of church life, isn't it? So I reckon we need to pray, ask for God's help to get that mindset, to get our priorities straight. So should we go back into our tables, uh, discuss and pray, and I'll call us back together in just over 10 minutes' time. Let's discuss and pray. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Any questions can come to podcast email podcast at david-couch.com. I'll see you next week. Thank you.